Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Royals podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Uh, my name is Dave Stevens and I'll be hosting the show today in Paul's absence. And I've been joined today by Sam Stevenson. Hello. Hello. And Jordan Cottle. Hey, Jordan. Hey. Cool. So, lads, I, I welcome you here to talk about an uh, extremely dull nil-nil draw, the definition of a dull nil-nil draw uh, yesterday against Stoke. Uh, so let's try and pick apart what happened, see if we can find anything really worth talking about. Um, as many pundits and fans have uh, pointed out, neither side had a shot on target across the whole 90 minutes. And uh, pretty sure Jack, Jack Butlin's just hung his um, kit back up for the next game. Uh, no need to put that through the wash. <laughs> didn't, didn't have a thing to do. Um, Trying to trying to look at uh, where where this all went wrong uh, for for both sides, but um, one thing I noticed we had three changes coming in um, and a change in formation. Um, Jordan, how did you feel that worked for us? Um, well, I think without with those few shots, we can't really say it worked. Um, but I could understand the changes um, when we sort of heard just before the team news was coming out that Miazga was out as well. Um, we kind of had the same dilemma we've had for a couple of weeks, which is, you know, do we stick with the same formation that has worked in the past for us and hasn't been working so much recently, or do we, or we shake it up? Um, and in the end, he's, he's gone with four, you know, central midfielders um, and tried to cram them in. Um, and you know, a, a front two of, of Bulldog and Zhao. Um, I don't think we can really say it worked. There were, I guess, some very small, bright sparks, usually when the ball was at Ajaria's feet. Um, but we never looked particularly like scoring. The other side to that, at least, is that, by and large, um, we managed to restrict Stoke from really producing much either. So... Um, very much a bore draw away from home, really. Uh, absolutely, bore draw is uh, the the phrase I will continue to use for this one. Whenever, in the unlikely event anyone asks me about it, uh, Sam, a lot of debate that I've seen going around. Um, a lot of people calling out Charlie Adam for having a fantastic game. Uh, what was your view on how how Adam played? He was he was okay. Um... I don't think he was fantastic. Um, I I was really disappointed with him midweek because I felt you know he was incredibly immobile and we were giving Barnsley so much space in midfield and we did manage to close that off. I almost feel like yesterday we aim we, we were trying not to concede um, above and beyond scoring and you know with with Jow and Baldock I guess you kind of hope that something might happen um, up front. Obviously, it didn't, um, but I'm definitely not in the camp of, you know, it was a good performance, um, but it was definitely an improvement over kind of, you know, the leakiness of the previous two games, conceding three against Birmingham and then one against a very poor Barnsley side. Um, they, they always say, right, when you're struggling, you need to build from the back, build, sort the defence out first. And that's hopefully, you know, what we've done, even if it's just like, you know, in regards to a confidence boost um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't good and 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 sorry i've kind of absolutely gone off my charlie adam talking point uh there um but yeah uh, he, was, <laughs> he, he, he was fine like you know he was 
he was he was his passing was better than it was midweek. Um, but he didn't do anything spectacular, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, one one thing that I I noticed about him was uh, one criticism in the week was that he was contributing to the attack but not really tracking back and, and getting stuck in. Definitely got stuck in uh, yesterday. Um, two uh, carbon copy <laughs> rash challenges, the second of which earned him a yellow. Um, how how did you how did you feel the the difference there? Um, help the team or hinder the team um do, do we want him as that passenger or do we take the yellow and uh accept uh, that at least he's tackling back jordan i think um so his problem is just the mobility right like he does make silly challenges the, the two that that went on yesterday i couldn't really believe because we know he kind of has that little bit of a side to him um but um you can't obviously just have him uh, wandering around spraying passes but not doing anything else defensively. I thought he worked hard, and I think the fact that um, he probably had a lot less area to cover because we had Rinomota in there, we had Pele over there. Um, so he kind of just had to have that loosely left-hand side channel. Um, I think it's always hard to know what to expect with, with Charlie Adam. And I've seen him come on in games and look bright and make a difference um but what you do find is he does try and make it happen which is a positive but it does sometimes lead to lots of big diagonal balls that actually aren't necessarily the best thing it's because he's not very mobile um there were a lot of good balls into the channel but Zhao doesn't want the ball into the channel. He wants it to feet. There was some strange decision-making yesterday. And I can kind of... I don't know if I'd say I can understand it with some of the other players, but I kind of accept the limitations with Pele. And I sort of... I'm disappointed we haven't seen more of Rinomota's passing game. But again, you know, I kind of understand his strengths and his limitations. Charlie Adam, you want him to pick the right passes. And there were some just moments that I didn't really understand. You know, we kept, it wasn't just him, but we had this bizarre thing where we kept trying to pass into Bulldog's feet and go in behind to Zhao. And, okay, you know, I can sit here as an armchair fan, but that seems like it should be the other way around. Zhao wants it into the feet, Bulldog wants it in behind. And it just never quite, it just never quite clicked yesterday at all. There were moments, despite the fact that we had next to no shots, there were moments where, I thought, you know, I could I could see how we could build attacks. Like, I could see Adam picking up the ball out of the defence, putting it through to a striker, striker flicking on to Ajaria, running in behind, getting in behind their midfield, and it, like, almost happened a couple of times. But it didn't. Um, and it never quite... I don't think we were unlucky in that regard. It just it didn't click. And when you don't have enough players with, I guess, enough quality you are relying on these fleeting moments that might create chances rather than any clear idea of how to build attacks, I guess. Yeah, fair points. I think, um, yeah, the the decision-making was definitely something that we struggled with in in various areas of the field yesterday. Um, Sam, I'm going to drop this one in your lap, and I apologise in advance, but 
what is going on with these short goal kicks and passing it out from the back, even when we've got four or five opposition players pressuring us? Um, uh, short answer, I don't know, given that um, uh, Bowen's clearly told the players to get the ball from one end of the pitch to the other a lot quicker than we were under Gomez. Um, so to revert to that is strange, but then I, I'd guess that maybe... Um, he expects the wingbacks to maybe you know be able to carry the ball from deep and thinks that it will be more accurate than just spraying a long ball out to one of our wingers who may or may not be able to control it. Don't know, but it is it's undue pressure, right? Uh, and it's been an issue for a while. Um, and you can even you know like there's no excuses for the mistakes that Morrison and and Richards made the other week and Morrison made midweek. But you could argue that some of that comes down to the fact that we insist on not booting the ball almost again um we've gone back to this like keep the ball and try and try and get it forward as quickly as possible um but then weirdly like we do like like you know gunter's still playing long balls um and some of our players are willing to play it long to the strikers so it's i don't really know Uh, i guess if i were to put it down to anything it would just be that bowen is we forget that he's still a new manager and we're probably in some transition stage and you know, judging by what we're seeing at the moment, the players maybe aren't quite there yet with their understanding of what he wants them to do. Um, but it's definitely a strange one. Definitely a strange one. Yeah, I think, uh, so building on, on that point, um, I've seen a fair <clears throat> amount of criticism of uh, Bowen's tactics. Um, I, I This is not my words, but the words I will repeat, tact- tactically clueless. Um, at times and uh, one thing I noticed yesterday was that sometimes we would do this short passing game build out from the back sometimes we would go long uh, it was very kind of disjointed at times um, how are you feeling about the way uh, he's sharing his tactics Jordan uh, do you feel like there's there's a lack of communication there or is it as Sam just mentioned early days and they're still learning uh, that's a tricky one because I think, um, you know, we've seen a lot of the same stuff from these guys for, for years. I do wonder whether a lot of this is just some of these players default, you know, and he came in and he sort of said, right, boys, scrap that. We're going to go long. And then over the course of, you know, the weeks on the training pitch, you know, whether the players have wanted to try and bring that back because, you know, plenty of the players have talked about, you know, how much they enjoyed playing under sort of Stam and the style and how much they enjoy playing under Gomez and the style. And clearly a lot of these players want to play, you know, what their idea is of the right way to play football. Um, but we've also seen that sometimes they're just not capable of it. Um, you know, you'd think, and like I can excuse someone like Michael Morrison, who, who I think has been a good signing, but is a bit of a, kick it and head it centre-back um, but I think we we sort of fall into the trap I guess of assuming that players like Liam Moore you know want to play that style of football clearly and can <clears throat> and I think we're, we're now getting a stage where we've, we you know we've tried that a lot over the last what four seasons um, and he's not faultless with it you know a lot of the time his distribution is, is quite poor um, and I think he puts people under unnecessary pressure with poor passes poor back passes poor positioning um, and I don't know whether it's a case of giving the players the freedom to do that when they want to, because um, I'm sure he 
there are benefits to it. When you get it right, you can breeze through an opposition's defence if you commit them, and all of a sudden we've got three or four running on at their back line. And I think it happened like once yesterday where Ajaria picked it up and was running right at them. And that came from, you know, playing out from the back. But I think I think a lot of us quite appreciated the sort of playing by percentages and the, the taking the long go kicks and trying to pick up the pieces from there. Whether he thinks that we can't do that with the formation we played yesterday, I don't know. Whether he thinks we didn't have, you know, the legs to, to do it, um, maybe that was it because it is a case of trying to win those second balls. Or maybe he just thought that Stoke are too good in the air um, and that they it's a strength of theirs. I'm not sure. Um, but I think... Um, you have to put a little bit of the, the blame on Bone, but I think for sure you, you have to think that we've seen a lot of the same stuff from these players trying to play lots of different ways and, and they've never really been able to consistently avoid pressure in our own box. Um, so it might just be one of those things. It might be their default. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um one point you mentioned there, maybe us not having the legs for um, for this particular style of play uh, at this current time. Um, seen a few people mentioning on social media, um, and a, a definite feel I had yesterday in the game was that we we do look a little tired across multiple parts of the um, the the pitch. So, Sam, how how are you feeling about the general fitness of this squad? Um, it's it, again, it's a real tough one, right? Because we're early, we're early in Bowen's reign, so we don't know what what training's like. We don't know whether we're seeing the result of that, or whether it's just because we've got injuries. So players like Charlie Adam are having to play multiple games at a time, and you know Ajari is back in as soon as he's fit. And there's already talk that Swift will be back soon, and he might make the squad. And generally, you'd like to give those players a couple of weeks to kind of build up to be in match fit, but it sounds like we're like getting back in. And even Bowen's kind of saying that. So I think, you know, this time of year, there's a lot of games, you do get injuries. Um, as a result, like teams have blips, right? And and this could just be in terms of pure fitness, like that could be our, our blip. And also bear in mind, like we've lost a hell of a lot of energy with Yeardon being injured the lot, well, this game and last was he he was injured midweek as well wasn't he Gunter yeah Gunter play yeah. and I know Gunter gets up and down the wing but he doesn't support the team as well as Yeardon does and Yeardon picks up a lot of the legwork and ends up almost playing as a I know he's a wing back but he spends so much time you know in that kind of you know forward position that he really does cover and allows like the strikers to get inside and not have to run the channels quite as much and it just losing a player like that means that players further up are having to do more um you don't have that link-up play. And I think, you know, there's loads of loads of reasons why you could kind of point to fitness, but I doubt that Bowen's come in and, and, and told the guys to kind of, you know, take their foot off the gas in training or anything. I think it possibly is a combination of losing a couple of players in key areas, like important players that run. And let's not forget, like, Swift was pretty good as well at just, like, making his way back, picking the ball up deep, bringing it forward. He didn't necessarily run and break up play and do all that kind of stuff as much as someone like Rinomota does. But he probably still moved a bit more than Charlie Adam. Um, and when you're missing a few of those players, you know, Yeardom, Swift, you start to look at that as well as like players having to come in and play multiple games in a row because we've got injuries. And you think, yeah, like if there is a fitness issue, I don't necessarily think it's down to training or the manager. I think it's probably just personnel not being available. Um, but 
yeah i mean it's 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 a hard one really to like to know for certain right um but it it doesn't necessarily look it doesn't look to me like they're tired it just looks to me like they're just out of ideas more than anything yeah um that that's a a less exciting uh reason for the the situation that we're in well, uh to, to, to throw something in there though what i will say is i saw a stat the other day that yesterday was the 10th part 10 different partnership um up front that we've had so far this season so given that we're not even like halfway through the season yet um i know we're getting close we have not really had a chance to let two strikers get to know each other and learn who's going to run off who and so again when it comes to like things not working up front and and all that kind of stuff and, and even players around them not knowing who's going to make the runs and who's not i remember a point yesterday where um Bulldog went to run in behind as Blackett, I think, played a ball expecting him to come short. And it was just that like lack of awareness, you know, what are the strikers going to do? Who's going to be making the runs? That kind of thing um, that made me think that, um, that yeah, it's probably less a fitness issue and more uh, just players not knowing for whatever reason um, where each other are, what they expect from each other, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely fair. Um, on, on that note, uh, Jordan, how did you... Uh, feel about the return of of Sam Bordock's last couple of games? Yeah, I, I'm. I've been pleasantly impressed with with Bordock in general this season. I think um, we know he gives you energy, um, and I think I was probably a bit guilty of thinking that was all he really gives you. Um, he's better at linking the play um, and dropping deep than than I thought he would be. He's clearly a guy who likes a strike partnership. That was that's been obvious the whole time. And that goes back to, you know, the issues with the recruitment that that summer when we bought to play a 4-4-2 and then scrapped after like three games. And all of a sudden you go, oh, none of our strikers can play <clears throat> themselves. Um, so I think he's enjoying having a partner. Um, you know, I think absolutely spot on, you know, that stat about 10 strike partnerships is, is crazy. Um, and, um, you know, not all of that has been, uh, you know, can be helped we have had a number of injuries to a number of those guys in those positions we've had a number of those guys be pretty out of form but i think um i think on that um on that point about settling on partnerships i think it's it's been really difficult because a lot of the guys i think need service and service is, has been one that's um you know i think has reared its head a lot in the last sort of few games um, where we struggled to score and we picked up a couple of bad results um, and obviously that's been made much harder without Swift and Najaria and I think we've all been keen to sort of look at other ways of playing and other formations and other setups but I think I think to a degree Bowen's hands are a little bit tied um, you know, I think one of the big criticisms I saw yesterday, and I completely understand, was sort of lack of width, um, which you know is natural when you pick four centre mids. But um, and you know, you play the fullbacks you play. Um, but I think you have to look at the hand he's actually been dealt. He can only set up with the players he's got. And last summer, you know, I assume under instruction from Gomez, we we basically emptied the squad of wingers. You know, we let Harriet go and that's understandable. And we moved Barrow on and, you know, that's potentially understandable. You know, McCleary was put with the under 23s, you know, 
realistically, when I look at the squad now and I look at players who are genuine, like, wide players, wingers, you've only really got McCleary and then probably Josh Barrett. And there's plenty of other people who can play there. You know, we know that Mete can be effective from the right, but he's not a traditional winger in any way. He's not going to beat his man across. You've got players like Boyer, who, again, you know, I think a lot of people have been looking to see him play more on the left-hand side. But, again, not a traditional winger. He's more interested in linking the play and stuff like that. And even when you drop further down, you know, myself included, I think a lot of people are, are looking to see a lot more of Michael Elise. But, again, he's not a traditional winger. You know, he's somebody who wants to drift inside. He wants to link the play. He wants to build attacks like that. Um, so, you know, I understand these calls for 4-4-2 or, you know, just a formation that has more width. But it's it's one thing putting those guys out there. Like we could set up and put Boye on the left and Mate out on the right. But that doesn't mean you're going to get crosses in the box. And that doesn't mean you're going to have people stretching the pitch because both those guys want to play in the middle or want to play up front. Um, so I think to a degree, his hands are a bit tied. Um, players like Yeardham make up for that because we know that they can do the job of a fullback and a winger and they can give us that width. And I think people like Abita and Richards can do that job to a degree as well. And I think I would have preferred to have seen, I thought Blackett did fine, but I would have preferred to have seen Richards because then that is more of an attack and threat down that side. But I think that kind of goes back to what we've talked about and that we set up to keep a clean sheet yesterday. And we did. And we kind of have to just, you know, take that one off the list and, um, and move on, I guess, really. Yeah, I guess if we're uh, scrambling for a positive, uh, not conceding was one of them. Um, scrambling for content. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, let's let's break down this point that we got with a clean sheet. Uh, so uh, one one slight moment of excitement I had yesterday, uh, fleeting as it was, uh, in around the sixty seventh, sixty eighth minute, um, we get a throw uh, in kind of relatively well inside Stokes half. Uh, Baldock gets the ball quickly and uh, sees McCleary making a run, gets the ball over the top of the defenders, and it looks like maybe Gareth McCleary is going to be through on goal. Um, as we know from the uh, spoiler at the start that this was a nil-nil, um, it didn't come off. But uh, Sam, w- w- let's talk through that moment. Did you get excited or are you expecting nothing as well? Um, I, I think I was probably expecting nothing, um, to be honest. Uh, but you know, at least, at least it means that people can't make the argument that the players weren't trying to score and they weren't. You know, there, there, there obviously was effort there. I think it was just that it wasn't coming off. But we needed something. But honestly, like, um, I, I really want to stress this now. Like, um, we were abysmal going forward and the only reason I'm saying that is it sounds like a crazy silly obvious thing to say but yesterday I don't know if any anyone heard the commentary on unknown unnamed radio station um who at the end of the game it almost felt like they watched an entirely different game to everyone else um and I think that upset quite a few people because the I don't know like it felt like they were almost saying this is a good result because it's a draw. Um, but Stoke, again, like like Barnsley, maybe not quite at that level, are a largely poor team who have underperformed this season. 
Um, and we need to be showing better than we are against teams like that if we want to stay up. I'm not saying, you know, I think we're destined for relegation again. I think we'll probably be safe if, you know, a little bit boring to watch this season. But um, it does, that's where the worries come up for me. You know, it's it's going away to Stoke and not having a shot on target, going away to Barnsley and drawing one all, playing Birmingham at home, who, yeah, okay, are a better side than us. Um, but again, that for me was a tactical issue. You know, we made a change at halftime and thing. You know, we keep doing things that mean that we're not, for one reason or another, getting results against teams that, not that we should be getting results against, but that we should be challenging. Um, and it just doesn't feel like we're really challenging these teams in any way. Um, and that's my worry at the moment. So in a roundabout way, going back to the original point, yeah, it was nice to have a chance. Um, the reason I didn't think we'd score it or, or didn't get overly excited is just because we've been pretty poor in front of goal um, the last you know, three, four weeks. Um, uh, and I don't really count that Wigan game because it was like a flash in the pan five minutes. Um, and, and yeah, so for that reason, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, at that point I'd already kind of said to myself, oh, this game is really terrible. What, what else can I do to fill the time? Um, but yeah it's it's things like that i guess you know we need talking points we need things to be able to to discuss after the game but truly like going forward we were shockingly bad yesterday and if we don't sort that out defense is important but we if we go and draw every game between now and the end of the season there's a good chance we we won't stay up so we need to be picking up more points than that it's, it's a funny point that though because and like I, I largely agree but i I can't help but think like um, we've had four really, really bad performances, like really bad performances, and somehow we've got five points, which just doesn't—it doesn't line up with how we played. Um, sure. You know, those crazy five minutes of Wigan. You know, I think we will look back on and think they're really, really valuable. But it's—it's um, it's bizarre that yeah, I think there is understandably so much negativity around the performances recently, and yet. The points return, we all wanted better because this is a really good run of games where we should be looking to really pile on the points. And one of the big reasons why I think I was so disappointed by sort of Swift and Jari getting injured was because if they'd have got injured before we played Leeds and, and uh, Brentford, then I wasn't really expecting much from those games anyway. But here is, you know, a run of like six games where you know, Bowen said it himself, you know, we could realistically be made favourites for all of them. Um, so to lose two such good players for that run was disappointing because this could have been a real good opportunity to put points on the board. Um, but I think the the negativity around it, performances is completely understandable and points to a degree as well um, is. But I think fan expectation is always a funny one. It's I guess I doubt it's a, it's a point that's just for Reading, but it's hard to judge it for other fan bases. But um, the fan expectation this season, the last couple of seasons, has just been weird because obviously we had that great spell of like three or four games under Gomez at the start of the season and we all, you know, became very hopeful of what this season could be and then got brought back to reality and then Bowen comes in and he has a brilliant start and we all, I think, start dreaming a bit more of... of a better season again and been brought down a little bit with a bump. Um, and it, it, it got me thinking that, again, I don't think this is just our fan base, but, um, you know, we as a club 
have not had a middle of the road season for years. We've either been pretty crap or we've performed, sorry, not performed, done well. I know there's a lot of debate about that stamp season. So we'll just say we picked up a lot of points. But even before then, you know, I was thinking back, like when was the last time we were just good or okay? You know, Atkins, you know, was it that sort of funny season where we had Rodgers and then McDermott? Like since then, we've either been promoted or playoffs or relegated or relegation candidates like we have for the last few years. Like, I don't think I know what it feels like to be a fan that's just like stuck in mid table and we're not going to really get relegated and we're not really going to push for playoffs. And I wonder whether, and I might be completely wrong, but I wonder whether that is kind of what this is right now. Like it's frustrating to go away and not, and like, don't wrong, not forgiving the performance yesterday because it was bad. And like, we should be going away to Stoke and trying to attack more than we did. But I wonder whether just going away to places like Stoke and Barnsley and just picking up draws is that just what kind of okay teams do like they don't go and lose and you know fall into the relegation zone but they don't win and push up for the playoffs like are we just a middling team and I will feel a lot more comfortable about being a middling team when we're actually in the middle of the table (laughs) like when we're sat in like 14th I'll feel a bit calmer but I wonder whether that is just what this feeling is I want to caveat that slightly, only ever so slightly, um, in that if there is a heightened fan expectation, there obviously is. Um, I think some of it probably comes from the fact that we spent a lot of money in the in the transfer window. Um, so whether or not we bought the right players, whether we misspent, you know, whatever, um, I think fans probably have the right to think that we should be doing better than we are, given the players we brought in, given the fact that, you know, Pushkas has just won Romanian Player of the Year. And like, we've, we've got, what that actually means, who knows? But we've got, you know, we've got players in and around the squad that you hear about other teams sniffing about. And 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 it just, it makes you think that, you know, on paper, on an individual level, it feels like we've got players in the squad who are better than performances would suggest. Um, and yet we consistently see this in season in season out right and yeah okay we're not down there down there this as you said is like feels middling it feels like you know a a mid-table team who are probably going to be safe probably not going to get relegated but aren't going to pull up any trees um but then we put in a performance like we did against West Brom earlier this season or you know and you you suddenly see the players for what they maybe it's the systems that we play against that, that fit us better and work for us better but suddenly you see the players show what they can do and you're like shit like these players can be really good and they can put in Cardiff another example right like and then the next week we go and draw with Barnsley and um and I guess that's the only caveat I'd throw in there you're absolutely right in terms of like fan sentiment this probably is what it feels like to be a mid table team that isn't going to get relegated isn't going to get promoted and it's quite boring and that's probably not enough for the fans um at the same time like i i absolutely understand why the fans have that mentality and i think partly the club spending the money they did um and and on top of that you get these odd performances here and there that you're like wow this team can really play and then they go and do what they did the other day and i think it's a bit of everything that makes the fans think wow we should be higher than we are um so and i'm not saying for a second we should be accepting that 
I it's just something that it sort of occurred to me that like it's been so long since we've just been yeah that middle and I don't know whether you know I don't want that the fan base can can sort of remember what that is like just being because we've we've been pretty consistent and it's either we're consistently good or consistently bad and yeah. now we're probably just inconsistent um and I think you're spot on like we spent decent money the team should be higher there are a lot of players in there that and I felt this for years even when we were like right right down there and you know scraping at 20 20th position like there are players you just look and you go oh you know I know deep down like you're better and you, you are a good player and you know one day it'll happen and it's <laughs> kind of hasn't um so I think maybe um the only thing that this team has been missing um you know, this summer was a little bit of an, an anomaly. We haven't spent huge amounts. I know we always spend decent on wages. Like we're always pretty high up on like the wage tables they do. But um, you know, the only thing this team hasn't had for years, and again, we're not alone in this, is you know a manager who's given long enough to do a good job. And I don't. I'm sick of a second managers. I'm not for a second saying we should sack Bowen. I'm leaning towards, I hope we are thinking about who we can bring in in the summer, personally, but I don't really want to see him sacked this season. Um, but I understand why we've ditched a lot of managers because we've been in really precarious positions. What would be great is to have a manager just be able to slowly build and say we do end up as a mid-table team this year. Maybe next year we push for playoffs and the year after that we you know can maybe look to strengthen there hasn't really been that steady growth for like years it's either these wild swings of promotions or almost relegations or actual relegations um and um it would just be nice to sort of it'll probably be boring probably for this season anyway and inconsistent and frustrating but it would be nice to have a platform to build on next season rather than you know the sort of worrying and the the sort of um alarm we had for the last few summers um just a solid platform to then be able to go and try and improve on more steadily rather than drastically i think we're in a great position to do it sorry to jump in dave i know i'm like just jumping in here and just but the reason i think we're in a good position to do that is you think stan was probably the last manager that you got to the end of that first season and thought wow we could really build from here then we went and let Williams go. Al Habsi left. Kermigan got injured. And the, the spine of that team disappeared. And then we brought in a Luco and that was kind of it. And it was like, wow, okay, we really haven't recruited well. And and for me, like, yeah, okay, it didn't work for Stan. A large part of that was possibly down to recruitment over the summer, in my opinion. Um, and the Gourlay reign and the players that we were looking to bring in. Um, and also the fact that the ties were here and possibly didn't have the money to kind of um, to replace players like Danny Williams, who were, you know, like him or, or hate him, was a workhorse in midfield, a bit of a Rinomoto type player. Um, this season, we it feels like, you know, the owners have the money and the will to say, I don't care if you're offering us 10, 15 million for Liam Moore, we're not going to let him leave. And if, it, it, that's a statement of intent for me. And that suggests that we're not in the position we've been in recent years where if we do have a middling season, we're not financially obligated to sell all our all our best players. Like it feels like we're actually, at least in that sense, in a good position. Yeah, players might want to leave, possibly, um, 
but we don't have that obligation financially. So if we can come mid-table and maybe start to put together some good performances towards the end of the season, convince a few players that it's worth sticking around for another year or two, I think you're absolutely right. Like building, we're probably in the best position to build now. So if Bowen can kind of settle this down, get some good results on the board, pull in a few good performances here and there, convince the owners that he's worth keeping around, um, we're actually probably in a really good position to actually start building going forward as opposed to saying, well, Swift's good, get rid of him, Rinomoto leads, you know, like looking at all our best players and just letting them go. We don't have to do that now, in theory. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. And I think, um, so a lot, a lot of fans now, uh, we're getting to the generation where a lot of their Reading supporting history has been us either in the Premier League, pushing for the playoffs yeah. um, or anything else. You combine that with the fact that, you know, a lot of fans like excitement and we keep doing this like outperforming the odds thing yeah. where, you know, we're, we're nearly we're near the bottom of the table and then we go on to win the championship. People love that. But that is a terrible way to prepare for the Premier League. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think te- tempering those expectations and, and getting back to the Reading I grew up supporting, which was uh mid table was like thank you that's great that's nice thank you i'm i'm very happy that we're not uh <laughs> dropping out of this league uh that would be good uh so you you had mentioned it there sam i'm going to put a hypothetical in front of you because i was asked this uh yesterday and i found it interesting um so there are these these rumors of uh leeds wanting renamata yeah. and uh there's also these lingering uh you know we had, we had that little fling with Lewis Baker and we were all excited about how the prospects of having him back and then he went to Germany instead. But he's not really playing out there. So here's your hypothetical and I'll go to each of you on this one. Um, if we sold uh, Renamota to Leeds for a decent fee, maybe six, seven million, something like that, um, and that money meant that we were guaranteed to have Lewis Baker come in as his replacement, would you take that? I'll start with you, John. Is Baker coming in on loan or permanent? Uh, permanent. Say permanent. Permanent. This is it's a hypothetical, so I can make up whatever Oof. contract terms I want. <laughs> coming in on a perm. <laughs> so I've had lots of discussion with people, I think, on Twitter um, recently about this, um, and I thought Lewis Baker was fantastic last season as a player. I've liked the idea of for years. Um, and he was very, very good. Um, but for me, um, we have a player in Swift at the moment who um, who's doing so well from that deeper position and is having such a brilliant season, his best season in a Reading shirt, that um, I wouldn't drop Swift for him, so then I have to think about the makeup of the team. And for me, a midfield three of like Baker, Swift and Ajaria, whilst fantastic on paper and in certain matches could be wonderful. Um, I don't see anybody being able to do the job that Rinomota does. And I don't particularly like Pele. So I'm, you know, caveat that slightly. I'm not his biggest fan, but um, I, I think I'd look to spend my money elsewhere. I love him. He's a great player, but I, if we lost Renamota, I'd be desperate for a Renamota replacement rather than another very good ball player. All right. How about you, Sam? 
Um, I think that Rinomoto played his best football when Baker was next to him last season. <laughs> so, um, because I mean, one of one of my uh, thoughts this season has been, you know, with Rinomoto not looking like the player he was last year, what's changed? And the thing that's changed is that he doesn't have Baker next to him. So, given that I feel like those two players complemented each other really well last season, I think losing Rinomoto, bringing in Baker, whilst Baker is a very good player, I think... Uh, Baker needs a workhorse next to him um, and so if we could have the two of them together yes fuck yes I'd be all over that <laughs> I, I really don't think um, personally I, I think that you know you're almost taking you know you're losing a player that's really important to you and replacing him with someone else who um, would fix a different issue but not necessarily cover both of those those positions and so no, not in that hypothetical, but if we can get Baker and have Renamoto playing next to him, yeah, it would mean Swift or Ajaria might be dropped, but I really liked that combination last season of the two of them. So, um, yes for Baker, no for Renamoto leaving. Sounds good. Cool. Um, so, yeah, so moving away from yesterday, you'll be happy to hear. Uh, we, we have, you know, thick and fast, the games are coming uh, soon. The next one we have is Derby at home. Um, they did just lose 1-0 to Millwall yesterday, so uh, by no means having a, a stellar uh, recent experience uh, compared to us either. Um, let's go around and uh, do some score predictions. So, uh, Sam, how about you? What are you thinking on Saturday v Derby? I'm actually going to go for a really boring ground out 1-0 home win. Um I think you know we. Um, I think it's going to be boring. I don't think. I think it's going to be similar to the Stoke game. I don't think there'll be loads of chances on either side. But um, but yeah, I've, I've got a feeling that we're just going to find uh, find the points we need at home. Um, so I, I think we'll get a one 0 win. Cool, Jordan. How about yourself? Yeah, I feel much the same. Um, Derby don't look any great shakes at the moment, um, and whilst I'm interested to see Wayne Rooney, I I don't think he's you know, going to suddenly fix all their problems when he comes in. Um, so I, I'm going to go for a boring ground out two one win because I'm not sure we'll keep a clean sheet. Excellent. Uh, so I'm going to be the party pooper. Um, I I will be in attendance, so therefore probably disappointed. So I'm going to go with a one one. Hey. I think Dad, it's going to start. <laughs> I think it's going to start exactly how you said, Sam, and yeah. then. I'm going to get my hopes up and then with about a minute left, they're going to equalise. Just like their, 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 you know, their goal in that 2-1 at the beginning of last season, late on, and you're just like, oh, come on. It's all yeah. going well and then, yeah. no, sorry, uh, no no good days <laughs> for you. So that's my, my assumption. Uh, so thanks for joining me today, gents. Appreciate it. Um, Paul will be back with the preview pod uh, for the Derby game. Uh, see see his thoughts on um, what's going to happen. Um, thanks a lot for listening. And uh, subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. It's social media smorgasbord for you. So uh, come and join us. And uh, yeah, cheers. <laughs>